At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome. The New York City cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook, a Wednesday show for you, a packed show, a lot to do. Fred Siegel of Freezing Cold Takes will join us later in the show to discuss his new book, The NFL's Most Infamous Prediction. So, should be a lot of fun with him. That should be a, a fun spot towards the end of the show, but a lot to do. Yankees and Mets both in action today. Mets minus 320, total eight and a half. Both day games as the Mets just continue to roll. Uh, I would look for same thing as yesterday. Mets to score first. I don't want to lay minus 320 with Taiwan Walker going against Zuch. Remember Walker, I mean, he really, he, he lost one of the only games. It feels like the only game the Mets lost in the last three weeks was the one uh, Friday night where he was just awful. Remember, he threw a pitch into the ground early. Looked like he hurt his hip. Actually stayed in the game. The trainer came out. Looked like he'd get pulled, but they kept him in. And then he just got bombed all over the ballpark. So I'd be careful with him today, uh, especially at this price. But if you want to put Mets to score first, minus 135 at Bet Rivers, probably not a bad bet. They've just dominated the Reds. They've scored first the first two games. And look, you just you get a one, two, three first, the top of the order for your team goes to work, and then uh, you can cash your bet and cash it pretty easily. So that's the direction I would go. Uh, Mets are in great shape here. Just continue to roll over these bad teams. And that's why we said, hey, if you leave even with a five-game lead against Atlanta, if you leave that series with a five-game lead, you're in good shape because you play so many of these games against the Reds and the Pirates and the Marlins and the Nationals. So Mets are in great shape. Uh, they, they're not going to catch the Dodgers. I don't think we. you want to catch the Dodgers. I think you'd rather be the two seed. And we can get to the NL picture here. And we'll get to both playoff pictures here uh, in a minute. But I would go Mets to score the first run. That is a 1 o'clock Eastern start. And then 4 o'clock Eastern. So both day games today. The Yankees with just, boy, 
this is why, it, you know, when you're an East Coast fan, it's tough, these West Coast games, because you stay up forever, and if you lose a game, especially the way you lost it last night, it's just it's hard to go to sleep. You're up forever, and, boy, imagine you stay up all that time, all those hours, and go to bed 2.30 in the morning as the Yankees lose in 13 innings, one to nothing. They couldn't even score with the ghost runner on. It's felt like 2021. It's felt like last year, this last month with the Yankees. Terrible base running, shoddy defense, no timely hitting, just finding ways to lose games. Now, we mentioned... They've built up enough of a cushion, and they are minus 130 today uh, against the Mariners. Total 7.5. I would lean towards the under, and I think the Mariners at plus money are a good price. Just the Yankees are a mess right now. No Stanton, no Rizzo, no Carpenter. Ray's a tough lefty pitcher. Won the Cy Young last year. Didn't have a great start to the year, but uh, ha has come around and pitched pretty well lately. So I would lean towards another under. Uh, we finally got the pitching matchup we expected last Wednesday. We got it last night as Castillo's now thrown three really good games against the Yankees in the last few weeks, which is weird for a guy who's on the Reds and the Mariners. He's seen the Yankees a lot here. Uh, and Katie Sharp had this stat, and this is what drives you nuts about Cole. The thing that's frustrating about Cole is he's really good because this is his sixth performance last night, his sixth start with six shutout innings or more. It's the most in baseball. So he's had plenty of dominant stretches. He just has too many of these stretches where you know, he gives up a bunch of homers, he gets bombed early, Devers gets to him. Uh, but but Cole's a good pitcher. The, the people that say Cole isn't any good are wrong. He just, he's not reliable. He, you don't really trust him. He blows up too much. And it, it seems like when he gives up a few runs, he unravels a little bit, which you don't like. But uh, we saw the best of Cole last night. There's nothing wrong with his stuff. I mean, look, it's on the ball 100 miles an hour. Great breaking ball. I guess when he gets in Yankee Stadium, he's just a little too homer prone. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the location, things like that. But uh, Cole was dominant last night. But it was a waste as the Yankees just... Made out after out after out on the base pass. Looked like the bad news bears trying to run the bases and just sit there for four and a half hours, don't score a run, and then lose the game one nothing. Uh, one takeaway from this, and I, I hate to even say it, I, I'm starting to gain a little trust. These are the famous last words. Starting to gain a little trust in a role this Chapman because he's actually throwing the ball well. He looks a little different with his hands position. The hands look a little lower, and he's throwing the ball, hitting 100 once in a while, 99. Here's the thing. If you can throw 99 and you can locate, you should do pretty well. You should be successful. Now, I know he's not, you know, he doesn't have a bunch of pitches. He's just got that splitter. The slider's not really a factor. But if you can throw 99 and, and locate it, you should do okay. But Yankees are a mess right now. They actually have the same record as Houston, which is funny because the perception is, you know, Yankees and Houston are separated by all these games. If Houston played, uh, if Houston played the Yankees, the Yankees would have no shot against them. I don't know that I totally buy that. I mean, they, they have the same record, which is kind of funny just perception-wise. But Yankees uh, have not played well here for a long time. And like we've talked about, sometimes, you know, you always hear the expression getting hot at the right time. Maybe the Yankees are getting cold at the right time. Maybe this is just a good time to flush out the bad baseball, flush out the injuries. Maybe you look up a month from now and you have Stanton, Rizzo, Severino back, Carpenter right around the playoffs, and all of a sudden this looks like the team it looked like the first three months of the season. So... That's what you hope for. Uh, if you look at the AL picture, trying to figure out who they would play, it's impossible just because we don't know if they'll be the one or the two. And it's really um, – let's, let's see how to phrase this. Yankees are in as the East winner. They're going to win the division, still up by 10.5 games in the East. The Astros are going to win the West. That much we know. In terms of the Central, the Indians – I'm sorry, the Guardians and the Twins, a flat-footed tie. Seems like the Twins have led by like two games basically since April 1st. It seems like they're always in first, but they're never in first by much. Well, now they are finally tied as the Twins lost to the Dodgers last night, and uh, the Guardians have now won three in a row. So 
Twins and Guardians flat-footed tie. With the White Sox, we probably all assume have the most talent of that bunch, just waiting for them to wake up, or a game and a half be behind those two teams. So one of those teams wins the division and gets in. The other two are in the mix for the wild card with Tampa, Toronto, and Seattle, uh, who are all bunched up. Toronto is the one seed in terms of the wild cards right now. And Baltimore is just a half game behind Tampa. Tampa has the last spot. So Baltimore has won seven out of their last ten. They traded Lopez, traded Mancini, and they still play tremendous baseball. They're just the best story in baseball, let's face it. They're a great story. They had an early lead last night. Toronto came back. Looked like Toronto was going to win. It was like 5-3. There was a rain delay. Toronto was in good shape. Baltimore cuts it to 5-4. And then in the eighth inning, Odor hits a two-run homer. And Baltimore wins the game 6-5. And Baltimore is now just a half a game out of a playoff spot as they are 58-52. and 52. Tampa is 58-51. and 51. Uh, Boy, they're still 250-1 to 1 here. The Orioles are at Bet Rivers. So uh, that's a, a fascinating situation. But you basically have, let's see, seven teams for four spots. The three in the central, Twins, Guardians, and White Sox, those three. Then Toronto, Seattle, Tampa, and Baltimore. Seven teams for four spots, one division winner, three wild cards. And then there's a cutoff. You know, Boston's not completely out of it. Let's see, 54 and 57. Tampa's got 51. Six back in the loss. Uh, I can I can count Boston out. They're not a million games out. They're only four and a half out, but they're six out in the loss. And they're not getting in. They're not they're not getting in. Their pitching's not any good. Sale got hurt yesterday riding his bike. Uh, and they're six out. And there's just a million teams between them and uh, these other teams that are in. So, again, they're not, like, way, way out. They're still a decent enough runway where if they got hot again, they could make a run. And you look up in a week or two and they're only two or three out and you'd be – you know, you feel dumb for counting them out, but the Red Sox are not getting in. So you can draw a line in the sand there where it's seven teams for four spots, the three in the central competing for the division, then the two leftovers after that going to the mix for the wild card. So fun race in the East, fun race in, in terms of the wild card, I mean, uh, as a bunch of these teams are bunched up. All the AL East teams are pretty good. The Red Sox are in last place, which uh, is interesting as they were you know, a couple games away from the World Series last year. Now they're in last place. Just shows you how good this division is. So that's the American League. The NL, similar where the Central, it's the Brewers and the Cardinals separated by a game. The Cardinals gave up a million runs last night in Colorado. They only tri they only lead Milwaukee by a game. So the winner of that will get a spot. Obviously, the Mets are in. They'll win the East. The Dodgers are in. They'll win the West. They never lose. How would they not make it? And then you have a similar situation where it's Braves, Phillies, Padres right now with the three wild cards and then you still have to worry about the NL Central runner-up in terms of a wild card position and that's where you draw the line in the sand. San Fran's lurking 56 losses you know I mean they, they do have Webb and Rodon they've got pretty good pitching Alex Wood and they're not a million games out of it similar to Red Sox spot where if they got hot they can compete but as of now you, you put them on the outside looking in so you figure it's going to be you know that's a, such a coin flip between the Brewers and the Cardinals, and then I, I don't know that the loser of that makes the playoffs. I think we'll get. I think it'll be Phillies, Braves, and the uh, the Padres. The Padres, believe it or not, they trade for Soto a week ago. They win their first game. They lose their next five. And I was watching this game last night. They're up four to one. They bring in Hader for his first save opportunity, and he was awful. Couldn't throw a strike. Gave up base hits uh, against the Giants. Remember, he blew up against the Giants. Uh, about a month or so ago against the Brewers where he gave up three homers, gave up a walk-off grand slam. 
he could not throw a strike. He actually got a strike three call on a pitch against J.D. Davis. That was like a foot outside with the bases loaded and two strikes. And then he still gave up a couple more runs to make it 4-4. They took him out of the game. And it looked like the Padres uh, might lose again. But they get out of the inning. 4-4 game, bottom of the ninth. And Machado hits a three-run homer, a, a game the Padres desperately needed as they have just been a mess here. Maybe that kind of gets them back on track. They have not played well. They have not pitched well. Uh, since the Soto deal where you know, everyone kind of declares them the best team in the league, they're going to the World Series, they had been awful, and they almost blew another one last night, but that was a big win. Because think about it, if they won last night, if San Fran won that game last night, that would be a situation where San Fran's only three games behind the Padres and right in the mix. That's a two-game swing now where they're only where they're five games out instead of the three games out. So, you know, you figure it's, it's Braves, it's Padres, and it's Phillies, and obviously the runner-up of the Central is in the mix, and that's obviously relevant because the Mets will probably play the winner of the 3-6, the Central versus, let's just say, the Phillies or the Padres. These teams are so bunched together that you can't really make those declarations. I know we kind of assumed it would be the Braves is the 4, the Padres is the 5, but the Padres have not played well. And that, that's, that might still be the case, but I don't know if that's as definitive as we, we thought it would be uh, a week or so ago. Mets almost picked up a game last night against the Braves. Braves came back to beat the Red Sox. Uh, in a back-and-forth game, a game that went on forever, extra innings. Riley, I, I think, is making a charge here. I think Riley and Goldschmidt are going to be co-MVPs, and that's what made me bring up the Central because Riley, his team's not going to win the division, so that'll hurt him for MVP. And we've been giving him out 45-1, to 30-1, to 25-1. to We can go 5-1. to Now he's plus 350 at BetRivers. Goldschmidt's minus 137. It might hurt Riley that his team doesn't win the division. Goldschmidt might win the division. But Goldschmidt might also miss the playoffs altogether. So would Riley would, would Goldschmidt win it over Riley if Goldschmidt does, Goldschmidt's team misses the playoffs and Riley's is in the playoffs? I don't think so. I think Riley would win it. Riley's basically been the best player in baseball for the last like two months, uh, maybe outside of Aaron Judge. Riley's been incredible. He's down to plus 350 uh, at Bet Rivers to win the division. I don't know that that price is still bettable. Um, I think it is, actually. If you had nothing in pocket... If you think it's a coin flip between him and Goldschmidt, a legitimate coin flip, plus 350 is not terrible. I mean, you still have to worry about the Freddie Freemans of the world, who is plus 750. Arenado, 15 to 1, I don't think would win it, especially being on the team with Goldschmidt. I think Goldschmidt would get more votes. Alonzo, 16 to 1, is not a terrible bet for a first place team. He's been hot. Uh, Betts, 21 to 1. That's not, that's not terrible either. If you're, if you're looking to fade Goldschmidt, I think any of these guys are worth a bet. Gold, Riley plus 350, although that's cutting it short, cutting it close. Arenado, I would pass on. Alonzo 16 to 1 is certainly tempting. Betts 20 to 21 to 1 is tempting. Machado 25 to 1, I don't think so because they're not going to win the division and they're just, he's got too many other guys on his team. Turner 25 to 1, probably not going to win it. Soto 33 to 1, not terrible, but I wouldn't bet it. Lindor 85 to 1. Um, I mean, it's an interesting number, but I wouldn't bet it. So those three I think are interesting. I, I think Riley should be like co-favorite with Goldschmidt and then Freeman, Alonzo, Betts. You know, if you're looking for a little sprinkle, I think any of those guys looking to fade Goldschmidt uh, might be a good way to go. So that's the baseball. I would bet Mets to score first today. I would bet the Mariners at plus money uh, against the Yankees, and I would lean towards the under as well. But coming up next, a little NFL, Jets and Giants preseason, what to bet, how to bet the preseason NFL. Don't listen to people who say don't bet the preseason. They don't know what they're talking about. I'll tell you why. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. 
BetRivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. Preseason football. Uh, people are going to tell you, you're going to hear people say, you can't bet this stuff. It's preseason. And I agree, don't go crazy with it. But th- there's an edge for betters in the preseason that there isn't in the regular season because these coaches will actually be honest with you. These coaches will say, you know what, I'm going to play my guys this amount, this amount of time. We saw that with Frank Reich the other day at the Colts. He said, you know what, we got a new quarterback. We got some new guys. We're going to play our starters a little more than usual. Well, we saw that line go from three and a half to one within like minutes. So if you're on top of it, if you're following these beat writers, you can do well in the preseason. Uh, Giants are minus two tomorrow, Thursday night against the Patriots. Uh, Super Bowl rematch. These teams play every year in the preseason. I think just because the uh, the local uh, affiliation, I guess is probably why. But Giants minus two, total 34. Jets uh, play Philly on Friday night. Minus one, 35 and a half. Um, here's a few things. And when you see the one and a half, two, usually in a regular season game, that one and a half, two, games don't land one, two, a whole lot. Games land on three, games land on seven. In the preseason, that plus one, plus two is very valuable, especially plus one and a half. So if you like the favorite, just take the money line. If you like the underdog, take the points because what happens is nobody wants to play overtime, similar to bowl games in college football. So if it's 20 to 13 and a team scores to make it 20 to 19 in the last seconds or even the last minute, whatever, they're not going to go for the extra point. They're going to go for two and either win by one or lose by one because nobody wants to play overtime. They just want to get a look at their guys and get off the field. Nobody wants to play a fifth quarter. So a lot more games land on one in the preseason. So uh, don't lay minus one and a half. Don't lay minus two. Just take a minus 125 on the money line. And by the same token, if you like the underdog, Take that one and a half points. Take that two points. So that that's one thing to look at for the preseason. Obviously, quarterback rotations, and uh, that is one thing you have to study. I like the Jets because, remember, one of our first shows, our buddy Mike White, he's in the mix for the Jets. I don't know how much Wilson's going to play. You know, usually these starters play a series, if that, in the first one. Uh, we'll see if that changes a little bit because now there's only three preseason games, but these guys play less and less. But you got to look at the backup quarterbacks, the quarterback rotation. Zach, uh, after Zach Wilson, it's Flacco, who uh, we heard the other day, the coach say really good things about. Mike White. So there's some quarterback depth with the Jets that could carry them uh, against this game with Philly. So I would lean towards the Jets on the money line. And again, study the quarterbacks. Who's got decent backups? Who's got guys with experience? Guys that can run are big in these games because a lot of times – Late in these preseason games, second half, you're playing behind bad offensive lines, and you have no time to throw. You have no time to set your feet. A lot of times it comes down to, you know what, I can just take off and run for seven yards and get a first down, and that's that's extremely valuable. So look for mobile quarterbacks. Look for good quarterback depth. The Jets have good quarterback depth, so that would be one uh, where I would actually make a bet on them. And you know, Think about the team. Does it matter to the team? Does it matter to the team? Like, you know, the Chiefs aren't going to come in here and look to prove something in the preseason. They're the Chiefs. The Jets, the Lions, the Giants. A lot of times, rookie coaches, it matters to. Rookie coaches, the reason they're they're taking over a team is because it's a losing team, a losing culture. They're coming in to install a winning culture. 
And you don't want to start, look, I know it's the preseason, but nobody wants to go 0-4 in the preseason. Well, now it's three games, so it would be 0-3 in the preseason. Nobody wants the 0-3 in the preseason. Everyone wants, you know, to, to at least get some positive headlines. Hey, we won a game. Because if you start, look, if, if you're the Giants in your day ball, even though it's the preseason, if you go 0-3 in the preseason, people say, you know what, same old Giants. We'll see about this day ball guy. You're going to start to see the negative negativity uh, continue to fester. So you want to kind of erase that negativity. So newer coaches typically do well. Uh, because they're taking over bad teams, trying to instill a winning culture. So look for rookie coaches, good quarterback situations, mobile quarterbacks, and look to take the points, even though they're small lines, one point, two points. Uh, those can be extra valuable uh, in the preseason. So Giants-Patriots, I don't have a lean there. Uh, I, I would lean towards the Giants on the money line. Giants have taken money. They were like plus two, now they're minus two. Not sure how much they're playing their guys. Maybe Giants on the money line just because, like I said with Dable, he wants to come in here and get a wind under his belt, get people feeling good about the team, even though it's just preseason. Uh, sort of, you know, clear out the clear out the bad air in the organization, I guess would be the best way to speak it. So I lean towards the Giants. I actually like the Jets, and I like their quarterback rotation. So uh, NFL, NFL preseason is definitely bettable. It's absolutely bettable. Uh, I, I also like the Lions plus one for everything I just mentioned. Detroit, we know they play hard. So, look, Campbell was calling timeouts down 40 points last year. He's a psycho, so he always wants to win. So you look for those guys that are just ultra competitive. Sometimes the bad teams, it means more to them in the preseason. So always take that stuff into account. Look at the coaches. Read sort of the press conferences. These, these coaches will give you clues. They'll give you information. Hey, we're going to play our guys. Hey, we're going to run the ball. Uh, where Look, if it's week six, they're not going to tell you anything. If they're going to tell you anything, it's probably going to be a lie. But... During the preseason, they'll give you some of these little nuggets, and you can use them uh, to make informed bets. Another one that jumps out here in the preseason, Titans plus 3.5 against the Ravens. Ravens have won 20 in a row in the preseason. But remember, last year, they got all their guys hurt. They lost a million running backs before the season even started. Their whole team got decimated. So you'd think Harbaugh, and we've heard these reports, that he's starting to take it a little easier in the preseason. He's not treating all these games in August like their Super Bowl. So maybe Titans plus 3.5 is a good bet, but... Uh, those are just some of the things to look for. The coaches, the quarterbacks, read the coaches' quotes, uh, and take those one and a half, two points because the games come down to a point or two points more than you think, more so than in the regular season. So it's nice to have football back. It's nice to have the preseason back. I Usually I watch a game of it, a quarter of it. I like to see the new guys in their new uniforms, things like that. I like to see the rookies. And then by like the first or second preseason game, by like the second preseason game, you're like, all right, I'm over this. Get me ready for... You know, just get me to the regular season. Enough with the preseason. So it's definitely uh, definitely good to have it back. We will have, you know, it's weird. They play the three now instead of the four. So you have that awkward week where there's just nothing going on. But I think college starts that week because we're, what, August 10th. So pretty soon we have that week zero college football. Then college football starts Labor Day weekend right into the NFL. So I'm uh, not going to do a whole, t whole lot of college there. But when, when college is the only thing that's going on in a couple weeks, Yankees and Mets are locked up, you know, in, in first place. Not a lot going on there. We'll uh, maybe maybe spend a little time on some of these college games. So fun to have it back. Football is in the air. And speaking of football, Fred Siegel, his new book, The NFL's Most Infamous Predictions, that is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. 
Must be 21 or older. Available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City Cast, Bet River Sportsbook. And somebody I'm excited to have on. He is the author of a new book, Freezing Cold Takes NFL, Football Media's Most Inaccurate Predictions and the Fascinating Stories Behind Them. And he is the author, Fred Siegel. Fred, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I guess we'll just get right into it here. Uh, you know, w- what's the background of this account? How did this start here with the Freezing Cold Takes? Well, I started the Freezing Cold Takes Twitter feed in 2015. That's at Old Takes Exposed on Twitter. It's a, I started it really as a counter to sports media folks, like reposting their accurate predictions, along with like self-congratulatory messages to themselves. And I said to myself, someone should be the person to, to repost the tweets and quotes where some of these same media people turned out to be wrong. And I, I just became that person. I didn't expect the feed to become big, but when it did, it eventually allowed me to write this book about historic NFL predictions that had gone wrong. Who is sort of the biggest culprit here in terms of the incorrect predictions? Well, it's very difficult to choose who's the all-time biggest culprit because there are many prominent uh, media people who discuss a lot of cold takes whose takes aren't frequently meant, memorialized or documented. And that's like a substantial amount of their ill-fated predictions are like evade ridicule because they're like local guys or guys who doesn't have an active social media team who posts all their tweets. But the ones that end up on the feed the most are guys like Skip Bayless and, and Colin Cowherd, Mike Francesa, because they they love to make hot takes and they have their all their predictions and their just their quotes from their shows plastered on social media every day. Do you ever sense, I'll go with both directions here. First off, do you ever get sense people are doing it on purpose to try to get the attention that, hey, you know what, worst, if I'm right here, I'm going to get to say I'm right and I'll look good that way. And if it's wrong, I'll get some free publicity. You ever get the sense people do oh, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people do that as part of their feed uh, to get attention for themselves on their feed. And uh, I try to filter that out and, and not use them as much or not at all. Um I try it. There's got there's a requirement for like a little bit of a level of genuineness. What's sort of the tip off here? All right, this, this person is just trying to. They're throwing the fishing the uh, the fishing hook out there and, and trying to catch some bait. What, what's sort of the tip off for that? Usually, it's frequency, frequency in which they do it, or the like the, the ridiculousness of what they do, or you could tell um, certain situations. There's a lot of people who like to uh, reverse, try to do like the reverse jinks. So if they're talking about their team, definitely going to lose, like in the middle of a game, they're just trying to put some reverse mojo on that. And then they will tag their own tweet at the end. of the, I don't post that. It's ineligible. Okay, interesting. Do you get the sense people, now this would go the other direction, that you know, media members are less declarative about predictions? I've gotten the sense with draft coverage specifically, NFL draft, NBA draft, uh, at least the people on TV, not so much Twitter, but the people on TV, if you notice, if you watch, they're not, not very critical of every pick is going to be good. Every pick, you know, this guy's got upside. I think people are very careful here to be, you know, Giannis was one that was favorite, uh, a favorite one. I know your book's about the NFL, but Giannis with the Bucks was like, all, a lot of people said this pick's a disaster. They should have picked this guy. I feel like people have taken a step back and are very cautious here with their draft analysis because of things like that. Have you found that? 
I think a little bit. And I think it has more, even more than just my feed. I think that they know everything that they say is going to be posted. It, I don't even, it's, it's not even just about making takes. It's about everything that they say. They know everything that they say is going to be scrutinized, um, uh, especially if you're going on live TV. Everything that you say is going to be posted on you know, Twitter or clipped, and, and people are going to uh, scrutinize it. And if you're wrong, you're going to get made fun of. If you scratch your nose wrong, you're going to be made fun of. So I think people are more cautious about everything they do, and takes especially. But some aren't. Some have no problem with it. And the ones that don't usually are probably the most successful in terms of in engagement uh, and you know, are very popular, whether it's popular, popular being liked or popular being disliked. They're, they're known. And I think that that's what some of the people who don't care, that's what they're going for. Yeah, I think it hurts the coverage, too. I think it makes for a lesser product. Because I remember growing up watching the draft. Uh, I'm 37, but I remember there was one in the early 90s where Mel Kuyper, I think, was really oh, yeah. trying to for a pick. <laughs> and you don't get that anymore. Like, the Jets pick Zach Wilson, everyone just sort of golf claps and says, oh, you know, he's got the upside. These yeah, are his stats yeah. at college. I mean, there's get... some guys. Daniel Jones, I remember, with the Giants, yeah. was, was not uh, very – that people were not very excited about that pick, but even then it's more of a sense of like, I don't think that that's a really good pick. We'll see, you know, nothing like what Mel Kuyper did about Trent Dilfer got really mad about the GM and the GM got really upset at him at the Dilfer in the same draft. He, in an interview later on, he just criticized uh, Kuyper. Which was great television. I think yeah. the GM said something along the lines of my milkman know or my mailman knows more than Mel Kuyper or something along the lines, which we don't get anymore. That's a good TV. It's theatrical. It's entertaining. That's what it should be. Now it's not too much of it, but but once in a while. Now it's more passive aggressive, like like or unfollow somebody on on Instagram. You know, like yeah, you, no doubt. Liking it, liking a post that someone posted about a certain player being bad. A, a player likes that post. That's the type of stuff we see now. And the first chapter of your book, which is tremendous, I urge everyone to go out and buy it wherever books are sold. Uh, you mentioned Bill Belichick, and I think this one flies under the radar because it was the pre-social media era, it was the pre-Twitter era. But Ian O'Connor, uh, it was O'Connor, I believe, uh, and then a, he was not alone because he has the famous headline about Belichick. But mm -hmm. Adrian Wojnarowski, who I didn't even know was a, a football writer at that time, yeah. I guess covered all sports. Uh, there was a lot of scrutiny when Belichick resigned from the Jets, which was sort of infamous, goes on to coach the Patriots. you think that one flies under the radar because of, of when it occurred? Yeah, I think it had. But I, I think, you know, now with kind of like things like my feed and other people posting old headlines like the one with from that Ian O'Connor where it said the Patriots will regret hiring Bill Belichick. People are starting to realize, but most of that stuff is from the newspapers that I, I, I post, I write about in the book, but he was not alone. And I think it flies on the ray how many people were really against that, that hiring, not just against that hiring. There was a three week period in which he left the Jets after one day as their head coach, and he was trying to get out of the contract with the Jets. So there was a three-week period before the Patriots could hire him. And um, during that three, there was like an extensive period of time where he was a top relevant topic where people were going to discuss him. So it went for so long that people were like, why did he, are the Patriots even trying to get this guy? And that was a topic of discussion for three weeks. And then when the Patriots hired him, there was even more pile on of why they hired him. 
I'm sure the Jets have had plenty that were at least eligible. Did Darnold, did you come across any Darnold takes? Because I remember, you know, I'm sure people do remember his rookie year, his first game, that Monday night game, game against Detroit. They scored 40-something points. They won. It was like the Jets finally had their quarterback, and here we are a few years later, and he's traded. He's a backup in Carolina. I posted a ton of those on my feed. I don't really cover that him very much in here because uh you know his career is still so it's still so early so like these careers are so young so far that you know just in case sam darnold somehow just turns out to have a revival uh it would just completely wipe away a whole chapter if i discussed him for that so i kind of i kind of laid low on some of those and you know hopefully if there's a time where i could write a, a volume two i'd put more of the people up in the from the 2019 2018 drafts but uh i kind of step back a little from them there's some picked about mahomes there's some about allen but uh guys like darnold and lamar jackson their careers are so young yeah how about the giants it's hard to believe it's 15 16 years ago where coughlin was sort of on the brink of being fired a lot of people thought they shouldn't bring him back they're settling for mediocrity you talk about in the book uh can you can you explain a little bit uh the sort of controversy when the Giants decided to bring back Coughlin the year before they won the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. There was a game in, uh, I think it was Christmas Day. They played the Saints in 2016, um, and they were, like, borderline playoff team. They, they oh, oh, 06, you mean, I think, right? Oh, six. Sorry, yeah, 2006, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, and they were playing the Saints on uh, at Giants Stadium on uh, – it was I think it was Christmas Eve day, and – they got absolutely destroyed. I mean, destroyed. Every, there was 20,000 fans left by the end. They were booing the crap out of Coughlin. That's when the fire Coughlin chant started. That's when everyone, the media, started talking about firing Coughlin. And uh, they backed into the playoffs and lost the first game. And in the offseason, when, when uh, the owners brought back, and there were new owners, I think they had taken over. It was a family ownership. But the new owners who took over um, said – that they were keeping Coughlin and the media just thought that it was completely wrong move. And um, even during the season, after they went one and three to start the season, it really was like open season on Coughlin. And then uh, they ended up having that improbable playoff run, probably one of the most improbable playoff runs in NFL history where there were huge underdogs in every game and won the Super Bowl against the undefeated Patriots. Yeah, I know you don't do local radio uh, to old takes exposed, but boy, if you could have local radio in New York, I remember those very well where yeah. uh, some of the headlines, Eli was adopted, Eli's never going to be this, he's never going to be that, waste right. of a pick. And look, we can argue about whether he's a Hall of Famer. He, he had a weird career because he won the two Super Bowls. He never won a playoff game in any other right. season, which is very strange. I mean, usually these guys that win them, when they don't win them, like Brady, like he's been to a million conference title games, Montana, you go down the line. So weird career for Eli, but boy, if you uh, – if, if you had a list, if Twitter was around 2006, which I don't think it was, oh, you would have had a yeah. bunch of them on Eli Manning as well oh, as the yeah. coach. Oh, yeah. He, he would have been – it would have been like – he would have been a huge topic at that time with Eli. He was – because he – and also he, he never – he was always so – he never had any emotion, whether he got a touchdown or he threw an interception. So it made it look like there was an appearance that he didn't care. Yeah, when you lose, you don't care. But when you right. win, it's, you're unflappable. You're cool. Not it's funny how that works right. with this, the exact same reaction. Exactly. Uh, have you ever had anyone get really mad? Oh, yeah. Especially at the beginning when I started the feed. But 
now it's not the same because I think people realize if they get mad, it doesn't make them look good. They don't look good when they get mad about getting something wrong. And I get made fun of. A lot of big personal insults, uh, you know, as like uh, uh, something to say, that, like ad hominem attacks, uh, like I'm a loser, uh, I don't have anything better to do, dork, dorks, and my followers are dorks, uh, stuff like that. But yeah, and a lot of guys block me, so I don't have a chance to see what they say. Who's gotten the maddest? Oh, I don't know. I can't think of that, but there are a lot of them, sometimes in my DMs, um, I can't think of like, the exact names of anybody who's, you know, someone we, we know right off the top of my head, but a lot of them with blue checks and everything. And I'll retweet it when they do. But uh, I remember what the guy from the guy from MLB Network, or maybe not, John Heyman, what's that, John Heyman? I, I, that was the one yeah, I, I, really I'm not surprised mad. to hear he you say really that. He, he blocked me a long time ago. He, he gets really mad. Um, uh, he's one of the guys who blocked me. A bunch of those guys block me and then block anyone who tags me. Wow. And like you said, it doesn't make you look good. It just makes you look overly sensitive, lacking a sense of humor, because look, if you're in this long enough, you're going to get some right. You're going to get some wrong. I mean, you don't want to make a mockery of yourself, but it's just, it's part of the business where you're going to get some wrong, especially if you have takes on everything, everyone's going to be wrong at some point. Right. Right. Fred, uh, let everyone know where they can get the book, uh, sort of sell everyone here on, you know, what the book is about and where they can get it. Well, the book is called Freezing Cold Takes NFL. It's in, um, it, you can get it anywhere books are sold. It comes out tomorrow, but you can order it today. And uh, Barnes and Noble, um, you know, uh, Borders, anything online. And also you can go to my Twitter feed, Adult Takes Exposed, and you can click on a link that is out in my pinned tweet. And it'll tell you right, it'll lead you right to a place where you can get it. It's a great book. It's basically an encyclopedia of inaccurate predictions and commentary from, uh, about players and uh, teams, the history of the NFL. Uh, and it's just, if you like NFL history and you like reading about uh, media, completely missing the mark, um, you'll get both with the book. And you'll get to see a lot of things you probably did, didn't know about each situation that I highlight. And uh, a lot of facts and different types of stories that you've probably never seen. So if you like football and you like history, You'd love this book. Uh, I have to say, I have a copy. It's a fun read. Once you start reading it, it's hard to stop. Yeah. You will love it. So go out and buy it. Fred, appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we'll catch up here down the road. Thanks so much. All right, that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. One quick thing before we go. I should have mentioned this when we're talking about the Jets and the Giants. Uh, Makai Becton, the high draft pick a few years ago for the Jets, the offensive lineman, did get hurt in practice. He's out for the year so. Not sure how much that affects the Jets' outlook. It certainly doesn't help, and it's why the under is usually a good bet for these season win totals because injuries happen. Everyone always looks at their team in the perfect light in training camp. Everyone's healthy. Uh, training, camp training camp reports are always positive. And, hey, this is our year. We're going to have a good year. We're going to be this year's Bengals. That's everybody, you know, everybody's hope in August. Well, you know, injuries happen. I mean, uh, you know, some by week three or four, some of these teams are going to have a bunch of offensive linemen hurt, quarterback hurt. Issues in the secondary, so injuries happen. Uh, just wanted to mention that with the Jets, as I'm sure you saw the news. So uh, that's the first major injury, really, of training camp, and it happens uh, to the Jets here as they lose Becton for the season. But that'll do it for the show. Jets in action in a couple days. Giants in action tomorrow. Yankees today, Mets today. So good show. Should have a good show for you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Fred Siegel. Good luck with all your bets. This 
is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.